Welcome to A Walk in My Stilettos, where our goal is to help you walk in your greatness. I'm your host, McKinney Smith. Hey, Faith Walkers. Thank you for joining us on the A Walk in My Stilettos podcast, where we have conversations with amazing women that are letting us step into their shoes. I help women to own their stories, conquer their fears so they can reach their goals. I get inspired when I see another woman succeeding, but what interests me more is her backstory and her mindset on how she got there. So today's guest is about to bless us with her testimony. And since you're already here, you may as well subscribe. We have Anika Elliott. She's an award-winning TV news personality turned actor and beauty influencer. Anika has held such roles as president of the Media Huddle, reporter and anchor at News Talk 1010, national weather broadcaster for the Weather Network, weather anchor for CTV News Toronto, Canada AM, and most notably a reporter, anchor, and host at CP24 News. And you may also recognize her from her TV film roles in Shazam, Designated Survivor, V Wars, Conviction, and more. So please welcome to the show, Anika. Hi, what's going on? <laughs> Hi, finally, I'm excited. <laughs> yes, indeed. Come. <laughs> This is so cool, Makini. Thank you so much for having me. No problem. Thank you so much for saying yes and agreeing to come on and share your story with us. Of course. I love to start the show with an icebreaker question because I believe that as women, we have all these different titles that we go by. And the title that I feel is not given enough significance is our names. So my first question to you, Anika, is do you know what your name means? My name is uh, it's a Nigerian name, although I'm not Nigerian. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it means mother's love is best or mm-hmm. mother supreme, I believe. I didn't. Did I know what my name meant? I think my mother told me that it was mother's love is best. And I always thought that was strange because it's like it doesn't have anything to do with me. <laughs> <laughs> it's bigging you up. It's yeah, like, yeah. you're a great mom, great. <laughs> uh, but then when I was in university, we read that book, uh, Things Fall Apart. And one of the main characters in it is Neka, which is how it's supposed to be pronounced. Mm. Neka is how people pronounce it in, in Nigeria. But as I said, I'm not Nigerian. My mom mm-hmm. went there and she sighed in a book. And there's some parts of Africa where you pronounce the N as well so like Nzimbu and Zinga and stuff like right. that so yeah. somewhere along the way the Ugandan I believe pronunciation came in and I'm Anika but I get a lot of um, Nigerian people saying you know you say your name wrong <laughs> Nika. so I'm I sorry <laughs> I love it I love it you know it's funny you okay. say that I, my so my name Mikini is Swahili mm-hmm. And um, right. my middle name is Amina, but I've had mm. other cultures tell me that Amina is actually like my mom. Even when I was younger, used to pronounce it Amina, and I was like, mm, "Yeah, no, I'll go with oh. Amina." <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> and and what you were saying about your name, your you know how it more bigs up your mother. I'm like, that sounds so Caribbean. <laughs> like. <laughs> I don't know if it's just right? Caribbean mothers, but like... I know. I wonder what I. I don't if she knew that when she chose it. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. Once I also looked up, there's this thing where you can see what who you are, who Anika mm-hmm. is, like mm-hmm. that 
person. Yeah. And it sounded quite like me. So I wonder if perhaps she looked up the kind of person that Anikas mm, are typically. Right. Okay. So I would love to know, what did you want to be when you were a little girl? I actually wanted to be a writer, a violinist, and the prime minister of St. Vincent. Wow. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> that, Go, girl. That was, it was always <laughs> three things. Always three things. I was obsessed with my grandfather when I was much younger. And he, uh, you know, I used to play the violin when I was younger. He taught me the violin. He was a writer. And he was, he wasn't the prime minister, but he used to be like a statesman. He was the governor general of Anguilla and like, like they, they traveled around a lot. And so he was just very much into politics and being a civil servant and stuff. And I don't know. I always used to tell people that I want to be a violinist, the writer and the prime minister of St. Vincent. So, okay. So then how did that go from wanting to be that to going into Mm-hmm. Television. I know, right? <laughs> um, I don't know. I've always been somebody who I like to. I was. I like to perform a lot. Mm-hmm. I used to make my neighbors and my friends do make believe call in shows. That was my favorite thing to do. I would <laughs> listen to the radio. You know, they have like radio call in programs where they say the government has shut off the, the thing already. The, the <laughs> walk is not running. And then the radio guy would say, "Well, how does it make you feel?" And so I used to pretend I was all those voices. I love it. I would be every character. And then I would record it and play it back like, just, just by myself for the most part. And then as I got older and I got a video camera, we used to do talk shows and music videos and all that kind of stuff. And at the time, I, because I was obsessed with like news programs and so forth, I thought, hey, I want to get into media. But now, and I'm kind of jumping ahead, I think it was because I, I just liked acting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? But not to say I don't appreciate storytelling as well, but it was just something that evolved. My grandfather died and I didn't want to play the violin anymore. I moved to piano and stuff like that, hated that. Uh, I just kind of transitioned into performance because I was always in school doing things that involved theater or speaking. I won my, my island's public speaking high school competition uh, at 15. Oh. And so I was just, I was a student council president and just that kind of a person. And so my dad, because my parents split up and we moved back to St. Vincent once my parents did that. So my dad was up here and they were just sending me different items, different booklets and stuff from the various universities in Canada. And Ryerson was one of them. And I really connected to the radio and television arts program. So mm. that's kind of how that came about. I'm going to actually go into one of the most famous questions that I, I put up a poll on Instagram asking people if they had any questions for you. And everyone had the same question. So okay. <laughs> I guess I'll go straight into that one because you sure. went from this TV news personality turned actor and beauty influencer. So what everybody wants to know is what inspired you to quit your established career after Mm -hmm. a decade and start over in this new field? A lot of people ask that question (laughs) and it's still, it'll be four years in November that I Mm -hmm. left my job at uh, CP24, which is like for the American listeners, a CNN kind of a 24 hour news station where I was uh, a reporter 
mostly an anchor, and I also hosted our weekend morning show. So it was a little bit of everything. When I moved back up to Toronto, went to Ryerson, did radio and television arts, I had actually started working in radio even before I graduated. I was Mm -hmm. able to do a, a summer internship program at CFRB Radio and started working as a reporter. And then I begged them, I bothered them to, to work as an anchor, started anchoring there before I even graduated. Uh, and then the ball just kept rolling. And I always say to myself that I didn't come up for air. I started working in the broadcast industry before I even really knew who I was. It was just something that kind of happened. And in no way do I regret that phase of my life at all because it's made me who I am. I still am very much a journalist at heart. It's mm-hmm. something that I continue to, to deal with in terms of figuring out what my identity is at this point. But it really got to a, a point where I, I tell people during commercial breaks when I was sitting at the anchor desk, sometimes I would cry. I'd cry, I've, cry, mm. I've cried a few times sitting at the, in the anchor desk. It just got to a point where I was just unhappy. I mm-hmm. felt out of sync. I felt misunderstood. I often felt overlooked. And I felt like there was a disconnect with who I was intrinsically and what I was putting out to the world. Mm-hmm. And as you get older, because I started so young, I kind of just... I just felt a little bit stuck because I just wasn't, it wasn't congruent with who I was. Mm-hmm. When I started working on the, 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 doing the morning show where you have to show a lot more personality, I found a lot of people were reaching out saying, I don't know what you did, but like you are just like a different person <laughs> because on the, and that part of the show, you get to be yourself a lot more. Right. And I love that. I was really just reconnecting, but I wasn't doing that full time. It was just the two days. Mm. And I just, it just got to a point where I just didn't feel in sync. And when I was crying <laughs> from time to time, I was <laughs> like, okay, something is wrong. This is not where I want to be. I tried everything at the, where I was in terms of um, trying to pursue various things, trying to different roles and stuff like that to see if I was feeling any different. And there are a few other back, a few other um, details in terms of why essentially I left having to do with feeling overlooked and stuff. There was that part of it as well. But really, a lot of it had to do with me finding a way back to me. Mm-hmm. The reason I walked away is I wanted to feel like myself. I wanted to live a life of my dreams, you know? Wow. And, and really, that was it. It's so important, like I have goosebumps, ooh, as you say that. It's so important to stay true to who you are, that authenticity mm-hmm. of who you are as a person and your values and what ignites you. And mm-hmm. you even sharing that part of your story just goes to show like the, the confirmation of when you're not in harmony with your values or who you truly are, how that can eat yep. away at you. You know, for you to be crying between commercials, like I can only imagine what that feels like even you know while you're at work I've had times where I've been doing speaking engagements and I break into tears and but it's like total different scenario so yeah. I can only imagine you know what that is like so kudos to you 
for sticking to <laughs> your core values and to who you are as a person because you're freaking awesome. Thank you. That that means a lot, Mahini. It it really does because it's it was a dream job. Like I say, I don't um, take it for granted that I was very fortunate to have had that opportunity. Mm-hmm. And I always say to people that the hardest part of leaving was knowing that a lot of people saw me as you know one of the few black faces on there. Certainly, when I started it there in 2008, I think it was me, Marcy, Ian, Tracy Moore, in terms of anchors kind of thing. And I remember one time reporting somewhere and some little black girl came up to me and she was like, wow, my mother told me that they don't let, they don't let black (laughs) women be on TV. And I'm going to tell her that I met you or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's what was very difficult. But at the same time, it was one of the things that added a lot of pressure to the role as well, because you feel like you have this responsibility to represent your whole race. Right. And it was also around the time when Black Lives Matter was starting to be um, more vocal here in Toronto. Mm -hmm. And very often I took my position very seriously in the sense that I would always advocate for my community. I would always ask questions and say, did we need to say that it was at a caravan party? Was right. that essentially, you know, do we need to put this black shooting story after the terrorism story? Right. Do we need to mention this young man was also an aspiring rapper? You know, I was, I always asked questions of the producers. Right, I the always, stereotypes. And then when, when we, the Black Lives Matter discussions, I remember talking a lot to producers about certain words that we use and certain depictions. And it's hard. And a lot of people would be like, no, Anika, this is this. You know, it's, it's hard. Mm-hmm. Also, I, I couldn't be, I couldn't share my own opinion on the issue in any way, really, because mm-hmm. I'm a journalist. And I still feel that way in my communication, especially on Twitter, because I've just been trained for so long. I don't share my own opinion. Programmed, yeah, yeah. I just don't. It's just not how it's done. So my inner feelings of not feeling like you know what, I'm not being my true self. Something's not there. That Mm -hmm. plus the pressure, plus just it's hard to work in news right now. (laughs) All of that. It was just like you know what. Peace. Mm-hmm. Peace so, with respect. <laughs> <laughs> Peace with respect. That's right. That's yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you spoke to even now how you communicate on Twitter, like how that's affected you. How has your journey been since the pivot? Like, what has that been like for you? Well, you know what? I, I really didn't know who I was if I wasn't a reporter or anchor. Because mm-hmm. I didn't have any hobbies. I had no life. It was work and home. So I really had to rediscover who I was and what I wanted. So it really, for me, the pivot in the beginning meant say, taking some time to give myself permission and the space, really, to explore. Because right. what were my dreams, actually? Like right. what, I wanted to live a life of my dreams. So what the hell were they? <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I was so, I, my, my role was my identity. And so I set out on a journey to kind of just be curious about all my desires, my innermost feelings. People don't need to quit their jobs to do this. Right. Obviously, I'm not trying to say quit your job to find yourself <laughs> deep out. It's 
just I needed to do that for me, right? Right, right. <laughs> I, so I started a blog. I started vlogging on YouTube. I was sharing about what it was like to start over after 30. I was traveling a lot more, even though I have a fear of flying. Um, same, I girl, created, same. yeah, <laughs> just, I'm just becoming my mother, I think. Uh, <laughs> I, I created a Caribbean talk show, a lifestyle talk show. I co-hosted a podcast. I just kind of did all the things I ever wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to try it because it was just about exploring. And just if you don't try, you'll doing. never know. Yeah. And it's for me, understanding what you want to do, because I think in this day and age, so many of us have many things we can do. And mm-hmm. I talk to a lot of young people who are like, yeah, I'm a photographer, but I also do fashion. I can write, I can speak. I can, you know, when you have mm-hmm. so many options, a lot of people just say, just figure out what you love and just do that. Like, just figure it out and just do that. <laughs> and it's like, wait, me figure it out. That's the big part. And yeah. if you have all these options and if you don't even know what you like, what the hell are you going to do? But right. so for me, it was that exploration of myself. Revisiting my childhood was huge mm. for me because every time I would go back to St. Vincent, I was born in Montreal, but really St. Vincent and the Grenadines is my home. Although I've been in Canada longer than I've been there mm-hmm. but being able to go back there reading my old diaries poems that I had written dreams I had just grilling my mother about why did I want to do this how come I stop doing this just reconnecting all around that time when th- that's kind of when the repressed feelings that I had for performance and acting and stuff started to rise again to the surface mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's really, it's really difficult to be exploring publicly as somebody who, um, there's so many avenues to that because people know me for being a certain way on TV. People always say, you're so poised and you're so just, you know, oh my God, everybody's (laughs) grandmother. I'm like the grandmother wants their son (laughs) to marry me. Like, and I'm, you know what I mean? It's hard when people people create your identity for you yes they have this perception of you yes yes and whether or not people were actually saying that to my well people were telling me about the grandmother stuff but after I left you you kind of train yourself to be like oh gosh I can't I can't swear oh Mm -hmm. lord right Mm -hmm. I can't Mm -hmm. swear on my youtube I can't be lawless I can't like wind up I can't like there's so many different things where I censor myself because of how I feel people view me Right. Um, but I'm also, there's a part of me that is that person on TV, obviously, right? That's mm-hmm. part of me, but it's not the whole me. So living publicly and having this journey of trying different things in this is, you know, when people are so thing about brand and I kept changing stuff all the time and people, people didn't realize that I was just exploring. Right. I think, yeah. you know, that point that you spoke to about going back to your childhood and going back to reading your old diaries and all those things. Mm-hmm. Like when I'm, even when I'm dealing with clients, one of the main things that I tell them is think about when you were a child, how wild your wow. imagination was. Your imagination, it allowed you to envision, it allowed you to dream. We stop doing those things as we get older because other people put their limits on us. Other people box us in, you know, they, they tell you to be realistic when you start to explore and do things and they tell you, Oh, just pick one thing. Like you said, you know, and they tell Mm -hmm. you be realistic. Well, what is realistic? And that's how people limit 
each other when they're trying to limit you from being creative and exploring and trying to find what it is that you do love. So I think that's a good point that you reconnected with that that side of you to mm-hmm. tap into what you really want to do so that you could find that inner peace and, you know, now pursue acting and doing all the things that you want to do. Yep. And I don't even know if I was consciously saying, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to revisit my childhood. It wasn't a conscious decision. It mm-hmm. just happened because I gave myself the space because I wasn't so preoccupied with a job or whatever the case may be. Right. So, so, so one of our, yeah. our listeners want to know, how do you stay motivated now that you've pivoted and you're exploring? Mm-hmm. How do you mm-hmm. stay motivated? Well, first of all, I now I'm an actor first and foremost, but I'm also a beauty influencer and there are many components to the beauty side of things. So I Mm -hmm. write, I'm a beauty lifestyle writer, uh, write for cbc.ca, do some work for Refinery29, Huffington Post, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And then I also work with brands to do beauty segments on morning shows and TV. I'm an an expert on the Marilyn Dennis show and that sort of thing. I also do little tutorials and stuff on my Instagram, just, you know, so that mm-hmm. people know, oh, okay, this is, it's mostly for working with brands. So they recognize what I'm into. Right. So that's to show you what I do, right? Mm-hmm. In terms of staying motivated with the beauty stuff, it's easy because I either have a deadline with I'm writing about for an article or I am working towards a segment where I'm trying to talk to different brands and stuff. So there's always something to do. Mm-hmm. With acting, you have very little control over your fate as an actor because the decision is being made by a director, producer, casting director about whether you even get into the room. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I definitely am a huge planner. I'm a huge strategist. And so even though I can't really control whether they choose me or not. I can control how trained I am. I'm always taking classes, workshops. I'm always picking up extra skills, whether it's improv or learning to play the guitar or whatever the case may be. I want to make sure I am prepared and ready for the opportunity. I want to make sure that when I step into that room, I'm adding to that room. I am bringing my my best self, my most authentic self. And so I'm doing the work around that. And it Mm -hmm. really means just literally writing my plan down (laughs) and making sure every day I do the same, same things to stay motivated. Um, My mother means a a great deal to me. Uh, She's a huge motivating factor because I always just want to make her proud. And she's Mm. been a huge supporter of everything that I do. Uh, And she's just always rooting for me. I meditate a lot, but I pray even more. And I always say this to people that I think it's a complete disrespect for me to not live my best life after all that God has done for me, after all my parents have done for me. How dare I not to be my best? And to mm, me, that is right. my biggest, biggest motivation is that respect for, for God, for my mom. You I know? love it. <laughs> so, I mean, I, and I don't know if this is really the same thing, but like what inspires you the most about what you do? Because I know you just talked about your motivation. Yeah, I just love with my beauty stuff in an interesting way. Beauty has unlocked a self-awareness. Mm. When I started to do my own makeup and do my own hair at CP24, I became a different person in the sense that I made myself accountable for 
what my face looked like, what my hair looked like. I took control over that. It was about self-awareness. It was about being accountable for my actions. And that set off uh, a series of events that led me to where I am now. Knowing what works for my hair, knowing what works for my skin, knowing how I can bring out certain features, that is a powerful thing. Knowing how a lipstick makes me feel in terms of confidence and just unlocking that superpower. Mm-hmm. And so for me, when I talk about beauty, when I talk about people just understanding their skin and not just going with the fashion or whatever works for everyone else, I see it as a way of helping other people to unlock that superpower also. It's my hope that people find that, um, that self-awareness and that power within through their skincare routines, their hairstyles, their, the way they do their makeup, right? Mm-hmm. So for me, that's what inspires me about that. In terms of film and TV, I, my brother and I always say we grew up, the TV raised us. And this is no disrespect <laughs> to my mom, but she worked her ass off and she was, she wasn't, I don't want to say she wasn't there a lot. I was, um, she got home later right, in the day. Right. And right. so we would just be watching TV all the time, all the time. I We talk in TV parables, quotes, <laughs> phrases, <laughs> things that happen. I think the other day when we were at Carlin's thing, a song played. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is from episode four of Oprah. When she was doing the <laughs> tour with Tina Turner and she was wearing the wig. Everything is TV or movies right. or I could recite the all of Home Alone. It's just something that I've always been obsessed with and it excites me to watch film and excites me to watch different tv shows and i i track actors and i'm like where would they in that it's just great acting and great art inspires mm-hmm. me it's art it's it moves my soul my spirit just something just oh <laughs> <laughs> what advice would you give to a woman who is afraid to pivot careers My advice is that you are 100% worth it. Like you have to recognize that the pain of going through the pivot and and, um, transitioning and all of that stuff, that is nothing compared Mm -hmm. to the pain and anguish and knowing you're not in your right body, so to speak, if you stayed in the status quo. Right. So... I think people don't realize the toll mentally, physically, that doing something where you're out of sync, how it has, what it does to us, to the people around us. And Mm -hmm. so if not for you, think about the people who are around you and who you have to interact with and who is getting the offshoot of your, your aggressions and what you're dealing with in your workplace. Not everybody can make a cold turkey cut like I can. I'm very fortunate. I don't have kids. I don't have mortgage. I live a lifestyle that supports my dream. I know, I knew that I was going to, you know, be able to do in this, do this actor thing. A lot of people put their lifestyle before their dreams. A lot of people, you know, move to a bigger house because, because, Mm -hmm. you know, and then they have to move out the city. They can't do what they wanted to do at the city or they feel, okay, they have a kid now. It's completely different for me. So I'm not saying everybody has to do the same thing, but I certainly live a lifestyle that supports my dreams. However, you just need to also do do your research. Do your research. Make sure you have money saved up before you, you make that leap and set yourself up so that you can do it. 
You don't mm-hmm. want to be able to just don't just jump just like that. Like make sure you have the support, make sure you've done your research, make sure you understand what you're getting into. And the more uh, prepared you are, the better it will feel. But like I said, that feeling of not knowing you could do more or knowing you, you have something else to offer, it's never going to go away. Mm-hmm. It's never going to go away. And it's just always going to be there. I was listening as you said that. And then when you're like, don't just jump. I'm like, yeah, don't do what McKinney did. <laughs> no, listen, I, we should talk about the fact I didn't even listen. That's what you have to do for you. Like, right, right. You're a rip the bandaid off kind of person. Yeah. Uh, and same with me. Sometimes you need to be pushed in in order to react, in yes. order to really get into that adrenaline rush and, and do something. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it really pays to prepare. I had left CP24 prior in 2010, but I was still working part-time at CTV doing weather. Mm-hmm. But I had left. And that's a whole other chapter of my life when I decided to start the Media Huddle, which was a networking business for young media professionals. And I didn't do enough research at all. I didn't save at all. I didn't. I just made so many mistakes because I was acting from a place of ego. In that case, when I left that first time, I just felt disrespected. I thought, oh, some crap was going on and I just felt hurt. Mm -hmm. That wasn't the same reason why I decided to move on for real, for real this time. But you really have to prepare for a move because then you just spend the whole time reacting. You don't get the time to to have that space to discover like I was talking about. So if it means when you're in your job, you need to do the discovery and do your research and all that kind of stuff, for sure. But do something. I think that's the important part. Do something Something, to move your situation ahead. I don't know what was it like for you. Like, what do you mean you just jumped? (laughs) (laughs) So I was a stay-at-home mom for four and a half, almost five years before I jumped straight into entrepreneurship because I was going through a divorce. So I went straight from being a married woman taking care of seven children to being a single mom of three, a full-time entrepreneur. So that was a huge leap of faith. And then even when I... It girl, <laughs> and then even like you said, it was constantly reacting because I had a mortgage to pay, I had three kids to feed, I had a dog to take care of, you know, I had mm-hmm. like a car payment, I had all of these things. So for a year, everything was reactive. And thank God, I swear, all of the work that I put in, God said, Okay, girl, I feel sorry for you, hold on. And you know, mm-hmm. I had a really good year at the end of that year, but I definitely took a huge leap of faith without any planning. And then Mm -hmm. after about six years of doing real estate full time, I no longer enjoyed it. I also had some really heavy health issues, so I couldn't do that kind of work. And then when I wrote the first book, I did a huge pivot and everyone's like, oh, you should wait until your income in the speaking and the personal development world kind of weighs out so that you could leave real estate. And I was like, nah, I'm done. Like, <laughs> I parked mm-hmm. my real estate license. Like, no, no, I, I don't have an option. This has to work. There is no plan B. Sometimes yes. your back is up against the wall, then you kind of have to react. But it's like, I'd been through that. I just didn't want to do it again. Mm-hmm. Yep, I, I <laughs> agree. Anyway, I don't want to do it again. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> but, but you've learned so much, right? Yes, you, you come out on the other absolutely. side learning so much about you and people as well girl. <laughs> so 
Yeah, uh, so many, so many lessons. So what is one thing that most people don't know about Anika? One thing people don't know about me. I don't know. Now I'm I'm very open on Instagram these days. I talk a lot of crap during my (laughs) beauty tutorials. I don't know. What do other people say? What do other people say? Do you know, Mary, do you know? Uh, I don't think people know that I sing. I used to sing on CB24 all the time. I was in top 48, top 50. Okay, top 50 Canadian Idol in 2002. Really? I did not know people that. know that? Well, there you go. I, I was on I TV and that. everything. And there was a choice between the song you had to choose was Tony Braxton, Unbreak My Heart, or Carly mm-hmm. Simon's Nobody Does It Better. And I was like, they think I can sing unbreak my heart and I chose to sing nobody does better it's a Carly Simon song and uh, awesome. they said peace it got to the point where you know when they go in rooms I went with like the whole room it wasn't to okay. the point where it was solo exit and Sass Jordan was like I don't know like they show the judges deliberation I don't know and yep. Nika, I just um, I don't know <laughs> but praise the lord Praise the Lord that I didn't say that. I don't even know what, what I would be doing now. Who knows? Everything happens for a reason. Everything. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> yep. Okay. So what other adversities have you had to experience to get to where you are today, whether they be personal or business? So, yes, I've, I always have lived many lives in the sense that, you know, even Starting my broadcast career in Toronto, in a, in a large market like Toronto, huge obstacles there in terms of people constantly saying, no, no, you got to go to Newfoundland. You got to start in Yukon. Can't just start in Toronto. You take this is. Mm-hmm. Lots of people have given me that type of advice. It was just constantly believing yourself that no. And I think there's a bit of a naivete that when you're 22 or however the whole, how old I was, <laughs> that comes <laughs> along with that. Mm-hmm. You really don't have a lot of self-esteem issues depending on how you grew up I was very fortunate to always be supported and to always just be an imaginative person that I just knew whatever it was going to take I was going to be excellent I just Mm -hmm. always had that that in me and so when people were saying no you have to start do this small thing first do that small thing I was like, hell no. Even if I have to, I, I ended up making a fake demo tape to get into the weather network. I, I created <laughs> all sort of non-real stories because mm-hmm. really and truly just want to see if you have the talent. There's still a lot in terms of my, my career as a reporter anchor that I still have a lot to unpack in regard to obstacles that were there who, that I don't even realize were there. Mm-hmm. You know, as a person of color on, on Canadian television, there are certain limitations in how you are viewed and the expectations that are put upon you and mm-hmm. um, how much you have to put yourself out there. But I, I was never one to talk about my race or my gender being a, a hindrance to anything that I did because I was always like, you know, I want to be accountable for my actions. I'm always going to try hard. And there certainly are things that I can unpack, but I really haven't had a lot of those stories about, oh, my hair or the way I, well, actually, I could talk about this. I, as you know, grew up in St. Vincent and the Grenadines. I have an accent. I bounce in and out. And when I was first working radio, people would always make comments about the way I spoke. 
not change this. Nobody ever explicitly said, stop speaking like that. But Mm -hmm. they would say little things like, oh, that's so funny how you say the word avalanche. Or "Mm, that's that's interesting how you say it like this. We say it Mm -hmm. like this. Right? Just subtle mm-hmm. little things where you realize, uh, okay, or what are you trying to say? And then you would look right. around and realize that there was nobody who had a West Indian accent unless it was Harold Hussein who was doing weather. Um, right. And then you, you, you look around and you realize what accents are deemed authoritative. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Whether it's yeah. British, everybody can have a British accent. It's nothing, you know, you can work for the BBC and people will say she's respectable. But I just wasn't <laughs> hearing people who sounded like me. And people mm-hmm. always used to be like, oh, why don't, how come you don't have an accent? And I was like, well, I don't think I would be where I am today. I really do not know. It's a different, different time right now where people are allowed to be themselves, which is a beautiful thing. Right. But I do not know if I came in the saying the DVP is very busy right now. The Gardner West Brown is having a problem. <laughs> um, if I would have been gotten to where I am in, in my career. Right, as right. As an award-winning journalist. I'm not sure. And to be honest, I naturally go in and out of an accent. It's just mm-hmm. who I am. In terms of obstacles, starting the media huddle was a, a her- Herculean, Herculean, after I just told you all of this stuff about being an award-winning journalist, I can't even talk really. But it's okay, we digress. Um, that was major. I went into some major, major debt. Huge, mm-hmm. huge, huge debt during the media huddle days mm-hmm. from just reacting and just, uh, I wasn't married at the time. And I told, I didn't tell my now husband how bad it was or my parents or or anybody to the point where I used to wait. I knew when the guy at my subway station, the TTC man would take a break so that I would go and not have to pay. Mm. Like stuff like that. Right, right. Stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And it was just a bad time. So I learned a lot in terms of coming to terms with the fact that this wasn't working. I ended up going back to work full time. The timing just worked out with everything. Another colleague of mine was leaving and that was brought to my attention and that kind of stuff. So it all just kind of worked out. But mm-hmm. it was a crazy time where I learned a lot there. Even now, like I talk to you a lot about the the obstacle of figuring out your life publicly mm-hmm. as a mm-hmm. public figure, sorting it all out. That in itself is huge because every day I'm fighting for this right to live a life of my dreams, you know? Right. So it, yeah. it means often feeling isolated. It's not something straightforward that people know how to support you with. So they just yep. don't ask you anything. Because yep. people are like, what, what is anything doing? I don't know. So nobody asks, <laughs> really. Yeah. Because yeah. they don't understand it. And they don't want to look stupid. A lot of entrepreneurs a, and creators yeah. feel alone isolated. and misunderstood and isolated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that ridiculous? not ridiculous but it's interesting it it is because we are not trying to live within the norm we're not trying to live in the confines of the box that they want to keep us Mm -hmm. in so when you step outside of that box or when you step outside of what the masses are doing people are like oh what are you doing oh okay Mm. well we'll just watch yeah we don't know what you're doing (laughs) yeah so you you end up 
isolated and feeling alone because you feel like nobody understands you because they're comfortable inside the box. But I'm aware that there are people like you and Carlin and all the other friends who are living these bold lives. I'm aware that that's happening, but you still feel like you have a very specific story that, yeah. you know, nobody's going to relate to per se or whatever. But so that's been always tricky, especially pursuing something like acting, mm-hmm. because we are very much surrounded by, and I personally am surrounded by quote unquote boss babes. I hate that word, but you know what I mean? People mm-hmm. who are starting businesses and doing projects and it's always something going on. And mm-hmm. I, I'm just, I have to stay the course. Mm-hmm. One of my faults is doing too many things at once. I believe that as a creative, I can do several things, but mm-hmm. one at a time. And if there's something that I can do, it must relate to what I'm focusing on right now, what I have on my plate. So as I said, I have a strategy when it comes to my acting. And sometimes mm-hmm. when I might have a bad day, if I went to an audition that didn't go so great, like today or I'll fall off the strategy, then all of a sudden I'm planning my online course. <laughs> and the course happening and a pigeon story after the story thing. And you're like, really? which I 100% can do. I have enough knowledge right. and, enough, you know what I mean? I can do media training. I can do training people how to be an expert on TV. I can do so many things. But mm-hmm. I am focusing right now on acting. And I have a way of just starting to do other things. And I feel like a lot of people, when you look on Instagram, it's just always there. People hustling, people doing different things. And that mm-hmm. to be one thing, to focus on one thing these days is not common. And so yeah, it's, it's, it's hard. It's hard for me. It's hard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I get it. It's a challenge. Keep on it's... the path. Because mm-hmm. it's Absolutely. self-sabotage for me sometimes doing all kind of different things that are not part of the plan. If it's part of your plan, of course, fine. yeah. But I, don't I know. agree. It's it's challenging, and like you said, the the self sabotage where you have to understand that if it's not in alignment with your your right. goal or your passion right now, then it's a no. And I've become very comfortable with that. Where you know people just even stop inviting me places because I'm like, yeah, that doesn't align with what I'm doing right now. It's a no. Yeah, it's just <laughs> a pass the filter. Every yeah. opportunity, everything you get, you pass it through a filter. Yeah. Of what you're trying to do, and if it doesn't pass, then sorry. Mm-hmm. Have you had any coaches or mentors that have helped you along the way? I think about this all the time. And I say this to my husband that we don't have any mentors. I don't think I've had, I don't have any currently mm-hmm. for show. I have a lot of people who I uh, call on in terms of, um, I have a group of people who I email on a quarterly basis to update them about what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So, in, and they're split up into People who are in the acting world, people who are in the PR beauty world, and some of those people have been mentors to me. Certainly coming up as a young reporter, I learned a great deal from my colleagues at the Weather Network, people like Kim McDonald, Suzanne Leonard. I remember I found recently an email that Tracy Moore replied to me when I was, this was, I was still at the Weather Network and I was trying to get to CB24 and I sent her an email mm-hmm. randomly and she replied uh, so little things like that. But I honestly can't say I've had any any major mentors. There's somebody there who thought I was the mentor, mentees, now say, what about me, Anika? How dare you? <laughs> but I don't know. And I don't, it's really difficult to to get one, 
especially when people think you're good. Like a lot of people yes. think she's fine. She's fine. Yeah. She got it going yeah. on. Why would yeah. I offer any help to her? So, and I think that's a huge misconception that mm-hmm. people have. We all need a mentor. We all need a coach, no matter what level we're on. Like all of my mm-hmm. coaches have coaches, right? We can always Correct. level up. We've never actually arrived. So the misconstrued perception that this person has it all together, they don't need my help. Whoever mm-hmm. thinks that, and I'm, I hope you're listening, whoever thinks that, that is bad on you. <laughs> we all need help. Right. Yeah. yeah. I've, um, I lean on a lot of my friends a lot, you know, certainly Carlin, my friend Saran, I lean on my friend Sanyu, I lean on, you know, so many friends offer mentorship in their areas as well. My husband is, a, I mean, if my husband is different, but he's my everything in terms mm-hmm. of just knowing my not not everybody knows my deepest fears and right. dreams and who I am as much mm-hmm. as he does. And right. so he knows how to call bullshit. He knows how to keep me back <laughs> on track or whatever. But I don't know if that's a mentor per se. I've worked with a lot of coaches uh, within acting as well. You know, Armstrong Acting, Earl Manhu, worked with coaches like, um, oh, Lord, what's she name? She's going to be vexed. Monique. <laughs> You know Monique. What is her last name? Monique Bryan. So dry. Brian. Yeah. Yep. I've had her on the so, podcast as well. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> but people like that. But honestly, mm-hmm. a lot of my friends. I need to source some mentors. So send me some people. Yeah. You know what? My my <laughs> advice I always say is look at the people who are in a position that you want to be in right now, and oftentimes they don't even need to be your. I'm going to say mentor in real life in terms of, you know, you being able to physically touch them, but follow their journey. Like where have they come from? What did they have to do to get there? What things can you emulate? You know, what part of their path can you mimic to get to where you want to go? Just looking at the people that are in the position that you want to be in. So I have like a ton of different mentors. I have in real life mentors. I have virtual mentors. You know, there's people online like yourself that I look at that I'm inspired by. It's, just oh, finding a, a compilation of, of people um, True. to help better myself, right? True. Exactly. I know. And I think a lot of it is just, I don't know if it's a black woman thing or island thing or whatever, but I'm very independent. I have an mm-hmm. older brother, but I'm very much an only child a f- syndrome because he left <laughs> when I was like 11 or 12 to move mm-hmm. back to Canada. He moved here before me. And I just, I'm very individualistic. I just... Mm-hmm. I don't know if I have trust. I, I know I have trust issues and people have let me down in the past. There's something we talked about before when it comes to collaborating. Mm-hmm. And I just mm-hmm. never, I just, and that's different because it's coaching, it's mentorship. But I prefer to go to and pay somebody as a coach or whatever. Yes. But the relationship, but to be able to ha- say, hey, can you be my mentor and just meet with me every now and again? Mm-hmm. But, there are lots of unofficial people, but it's hard for me because I do everything on my own. Everything I've ever done, I've done largely by myself. I can totally relate to that mm-hmm. on like all aspects of from, you know, the part where you're totally independent from the part where, you know, you've been burned to the part where you just, you've done majority of things on your own. Like I have people that come to me all the time and say, well, who do you use for this? Or who do you use for that? I'm like, I do it myself. 
Like what? Right. <laughs> you know, the <laughs> assumption is that there's a whole team behind a walk of my stilettos where right now mm-hmm. it's team McKinney, team Mac, team mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's it's me myself. I hear and I. You. Did have, you to, have learn to learn to hire people or delegate. Um, because we do Tell need other strength. people. Yes. Tell your strengths by your weaknesses. Yes. Always. Um, I mean, I know that you do the beauty blogging, so this question is probably super easy for you, but what does your self-care routine look like? How do you take care of Anika? I do self-care spiritually every day when it starts with prayer, mm-hmm. followed by my meditation, followed by yoga. And I mm-hmm. that's something that I've been doing. In the last six months, I've been very, I've been on it daily. In the past, it's been on and off, but mm-hmm. that's a big part of self-care for me. Also, I just, I like masks. I like washing my hair. I like the process of leaving in a treatment and then mm-hmm. watching a, a show that I like and coming back. So just that process of being with you, with myself. Because I'm so obsessed with television, self-care for me, honestly, is watching a show, watching Vegging something out. that I love to do. And just, you know what I mean? And just mm-hmm. chilling in that way. Okay. Mm, I know it's cliche. But Sundays for me, that's my day. Yeah, I hear you. Sun- Sundays is the do not call me, do not email me, do not ask me anything that requires me to look to figure day. Yeah, yep. <laughs> I feel you. Yep. I feel you. That's important. <laughs> so there's this article that I came across in a Reader's Digest. And it says that your favorite type of shoe uh, says a lot about your personality. So my question to you is, what is your favorite type of shoe? Is it like a high heel boot, a running shoe, a flip-flop, a stiletto, a pump, a wedge, a mule, a clog? I don't know. What's your favorite type? I know. I feel like we should be saying stiletto. Are you going to get, I'm going to get kicked (laughs) out now. No, you say whatever is your favorite. (laughs) My favorite type of shoe is is a sandal, like a slipper, like a, is that what you call it? Not a slipper, but not a sandal with a heel, like a flat strappy sandal. I guess it's a flip-flop, something you would wear on vacation. I love a breezy dress and a gold or brown sandal with a little buckle on the side with a cross over the top, preferably. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's just perfect life for me. Flip-flop fans. I'm not a a surfer. I'm not. I'm definitely a girly girl, Mm -hmm. but I'm not like, I like to dress. I feel like they're going to say flip-flop. is like, you're carefree. You like to surf. <laughs> you don't paint your toenails. <laughs> but anyway, let me hear it. Let me hear it. Okay. So let's, let's see. And if it's not, we can see what else there is. Um, okay. Flip-flop fans are laid back. Uh, as you may have guessed, this person is very chilled out and easy to be around. They're happy to go with the flow and see where life takes them. Rather than succumb to societal pressures, they'd rather follow their bliss and do what actually makes them happy, whatever that may be. The flip-flop person is ready for anything, very easygoing and unconventional. They're someone who is spontaneous and willing to go with whatever is happening in the moment, without regard to the appropriate thing, the norm, or what's expected of them. Okay. Does that sound like you? Not that. I am not (laughs) spontaneous. I am not, don't come with no, like, let's go to the beach instead of the city walk. (laughs) Like, I'm not, like, I'm I'm fairly rigid, which is surprising because I am a risk taker. Mm-hmm. But I'm a risk taker with plan. Like, like you know what I mean? I like, yeah. I like a good plan. But my friends would definitely not say I'm spontaneous. 
I'm fun. Like I'm, de- I'm the first person to dance on the dance floor. I'm carefree. I don't care what society, what people think about me. All of those things agree mm-hmm. uh, for sure. But if I have a party, oh, I very much like, no, it's 624. We were supposed <laughs> to be walking from the dining table to the patio at this time. Right, right. So I'm a little bit like that. But other than okay. that, it was pretty on. What's yours? Oh, girl. Oh, I was a stiletto. I mm-hmm. can't wear them things no more too long, you know. <laughs> I, yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> I have been obsessed with stilettos since I was probably about 20 years old. And then I think maybe about four years ago, I slowly just transitioned to loving like sneakers. sneakers. I don't know. Um, yeah. Yep. Yeah. The, um, um, we can't do you. Are you a sneakers in the winter type of person? Yes. Yeah, I can't expose my ankles in the winter. Like, <laughs> So you know how I had on Chucks the other day? That's right. Yeah. So like my ankles are covered, but yeah. Through that. Yeah. I have a lot of running. I have many running shoes because I like to run, but I need some like high tops. Running shoe fans are goal oriented. If you're someone Mm. who enjoys fitness challenges, takes your New Year's resolutions to heart and has been known to go the extra mile with a label maker... We bet you prefer running shoes. This is someone who's very confident, very goal-oriented, and very organized. They really illustrate the idea of multitasking, taking care of everything, and being everywhere. That sounds more like me. Okay. But, and, I, and I did wear my running shoes today. I, I like a running shoe. I'll go with that. Say running shoes. <laughs> Boom. Done. All my right, brother will right. be happy. He's a sneakerhead. <laughs> okay so before we go to the final segment of the show tell people where they can stay connected with you online okay i am on all social platforms uh, well at anika elliott two n's two l's two t's and uh my website is anika elliott.com message me chat ask questions whatever i definitely These days, I'm not as much on social because I have a rule. I don't do it before noon. And then I find now that I don't check it at all because I forget. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I I will eventually. It's happening. <laughs> all right. So I will have all of the links to your socials in the description area so they can just click and connect with you directly. And for the final segment of the show, I call it a walk in her wisdom where it's just a couple of reflection questions and you share the first thing that comes to mind. What have you become better at saying no to in the last five years? And that could be distractions, invitations, family. To many things. Mostly no to self-doubt, no Mm -hmm. to internal issues, but Mm -hmm. also no to events, especially events that aren't in alignment. Mm, That's a good one. No, yeah. If you see me out after five, you know. Somewhere I want to be. <laughs> I hear you. you. I hear no. you. <laughs> I hear you. Yeah. Right. <laughs> what new belief, behavior, or habit has improved your life in the last five years? I talked about it uh, of the meditation and the yoga. Mm-hmm. That's just been huge in terms of centering me, bringing me stillness and calm and focus, and helping to filter out some of the negative chatter. That's okay. been a big part of it. The yoga is fairly new to me, but I've been meditating now for the maybe the last three years, like since leaving. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. What's one of the most worthwhile investments you've ever made? That could be money, time, energy. Oh, Lord. You couldn't send me these beforehand? <laughs> nope. Man. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oprah will say the biggest investment and gift that you can give yourself is time. Mm-hmm. That time that I gave myself right after leaving CP24 was extremely valuable because I believe anybody going through any kind of transition, whether it is a divorce or a change of career, a change of location, mindset, anything, Mm -hmm. you need to give yourself time right after because it's mourning. You're Mm -hmm. mourning your previous process. It's a grieving process. And Mm -hmm. you can't necessarily trust the decisions that you're making during that time because you're not you're trying to grasp, you're trying to grasp onto things to create that new identity. Mm-hmm. And so um, if you're exploring, you're exploring, but give yourself that time. So I think investing in time was huge for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Last but not least, what do you wish women would do more of? I used to say to younger journalists getting into the industry, especially for black women, I often used to say, don't hang around with people who are just like you. Mm-hmm. And that sounds weird, but I feel like a lot of times right away you enter a room and you gravitate naturally to the people who are just like you, whether it looks they look like you race-wise or they dress like you or you're at the same position in your job. And you just want to be able to go into that and and talk about all your woes and complain and be complacent at the same level that you all are. But I Mm -hmm. think it's important every now and again for people to step away from the circles that make them feel comfortable and to explore things outside of those circles. And I think a lot of people don't do, a lot of women don't do that enough. Mm -hmm. Uh, And especially at a time like now where social media has allowed us to find our tribe, so to speak, that a lot of us spend time with people who are like-minded mm-hmm. uh, and so even now now more than ever I feel like we need to continue to look outside those circles of comfort and also to aspire like you said before aspire to where you want to be and kind of hang in those circles as well mm-hmm. I'm not saying forget your people forget people who are like you and who you are happy with but it's a crutch. It certainly was a crutch for me in the beginning, just like walk in, oh, there's a black girl, let me go talk to her. And mm-hmm. just stay there the whole night and then wonder why I'm not getting invited to the after coffee meetups where decisions happen. Right. So far reaching. I love that. Absolutely. I agree with that 1000%. Thank mm-hmm. you, Anika, for taking the time to join us and sharing your story. I so appreciate you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. <laughs> I'm still, still becoming, but I'm a better version of myself every day. So awesome. Thank you. I so appreciate you and all that you're doing. Thank you. And to all of you faith walkers out there until next time, subscribe on all platforms and rate the show and leave a review on Apple podcasts. Join the community of faith walkers and sign up for our weekly newsletter at awakamystilettos.com. And be sure to grab one of my personal development books available online everywhere. And if you can think of one person that would receive value from Anika's story, share it with them today. Screenshot this week's episode and tag us on Instagram. You can tag Anika at, at Anika Elliott and you can tag yourself at the real bikini smith and continue to walk in greatness in your stilettos in a manner worthy of your calling <laughs>